0: This is a wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And now, your host, Dave! Thanks, Fink! So great to have you on these shows. You know, I, I thought that Sam Roberts was the only one who could afford you, but <laughs> no, I can too. I swear that's not impersonation. How are you guys doing out there? It's another fabulous episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance Season 2, Episode 3. can finally keep up with that stuff. Hope you guys have had a great week since the last time I talked to you. I want to introduce my co-host and cohort, the man, Brother Ray, Christopher Ray Patton. How are you
1: doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful. If I can just get through this fucking snowy week here in Georgia, everything will be peachy. Uh, but other than that, man, there's been a lot of really cool stuff happening in wrestling. A lot of news. I'm excited to talk to you.
0: Wonderful! Yes, there is, man. There's some good, good news. Guys, we're going to be going over news. Um, I have Ron Smackdown, like I always do, pulled up. This is like a week that we could probably skip it. There's probably like four big things that happened in both shows. So we'll probably do that real quick, rapid fire. And then we'll go into the list. The list! I mean, I probably should say it with more enthusiasm. Uh, But guys, remember, if you want to call, call us up. The number is 929 I'm having some phone issues, so I don't have it directly in front of me, but I will be keep on checking on my cell phone to see if anyone wants to participate in the conversation today. So just give me a call, and we'll do that whole thing. Okay. All right. Let's start off with our first news item. Chris, we got some new recruits to get buried
1: over at WWE. Are you ready? <laughs> ready for the burial or ready for the recruits? And also, who said it was going to be a burial?
0: Just every dipshit mark over on the internet. You, you, you always tell me I shouldn't get in arguments with them. But, uh, you know, apparently no one from NXT has done anything. Um, so Ty Dillinger is pretty much everyone, I guess. I have no idea. But anyways, in all seriousness, we've got some great wrestlers from the indie scenes. Um, coming on right now, uh, from what we know, War Machine, Candice LeRae, and Ricochet, all famous with New Japan, uh, PWG, Ring of Honor, all have been associated with that. Kano Slurry is actually in the women's, the Mae Young's Women Classic. Uh, She's married to Johnny Gargano. And then we also have uh, part of the same class, uh, Casey Contanzaro. I know that she's the first person to win the American Ninja Warrior. And she's been, uh, she was supposed to start, now she start with this class. Uh, They're all entering the Performance Center. We have EC3, Ethan Carter III, who finished his last TNA match. He's rumored to be in the Royal Rumble. Possibly that could be a bunch of crap. He might also be uh, on his way to, to uh, NXT as well. We don't know. Bobby Lashley is in negotiations with WWE. Uh, New Japan has actually uh, has been reported as looking at him as well. Honestly, I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, James Storm and Laura Vaness have both exited, uh, uh, what we call Impact Wrestling, and both have made hints that they might be coming to WWE as well. Um, Ronda Rousey is in final negotiations. She's met with triple H now twice, uh, for some capacity thing. We don't know if it's going to be like, you know, Mayweather, uh, for, against a big show for just the WWE, maybe her and Charlotte are going to do that match that we've been talking about, or the four on four horseman thing. They don't really have enough time to be able to get that going unless they do it soon, but who knows? Or if she's going to be actually a full time. But the point being is, uh, this is a lot of great talent, uh, headed to the WWE even if it's just EC3, War Machine, Cam LaSoray, Casey Condaro, and uh, Ricochet. Um, All these names, are you excited about this, Chris, when you hear some of these people?
1: I'm very excited, especially for War Machine, because I think that's going to enable them to move up some other people uh, into the Raw main roster for a tag team. And I really look forward to seeing them matching up against teams like the Undisputed Air, Authors of Pain, and, and Heavy Machinery, who's not featured uh, as heavily on the NXT weekly show, but they're, they're really big at the house shows and stuff. Um, and I think that would be aw- like an awesome match. Just, between- I mean, the tag teams themselves are very similar. Obviously, they work slightly different styles, um, but those are all great tag teams that I think that you have good matchups with. Uh, Ricochet has been a favorite of mine for a very long time. I have no doubt that he will shoot to the top of the roster pretty quick with the injuries that they have. And the heavyweight title picture. Um, he's just an absolute monster, and once they get in there and see how good he is, and how good on the mic he is, and uh, hopefully they'll portray him more as a heel because I, I feel like he works better as a heel. Um, like his King Ricochet stuff in New Japan, his promos against uh, Will Osprey, for instance, were all really, really good. Uh, very heelish um, stuff that I really enjoy. So I'm definitely looking forward to him. Um, Laurel Van Ness I think is awesome. I think it would be great if she does end up coming to WWE. I know that's one you mentioned. Uh, as far as Bobby Lashley, I've never been huge on him. I don't think he's that great, personally. Uh, even when he was in WWE, I, I just never really got a connection with him. Uh, I knew kind of what they were going for with him. They were going for like a Brock Lesnar-esque Uh, type character that they could have on ECW at the time, and to me, it just didn't work, and I wasn't a huge fan of him in TNA. There's other wrestlers that I liked more. Uh, One of them being EC3, who was in the performance center before, and hopefully he'll be able to adjust his attitude and kind of deal with WWE. I know that he had a lot of problems there before, but it's not the same trainers there anymore and things have changed a lot. So hopefully they'll find something for him to do. I know that they had him uh, rumored to be in the Royal Rumble match, but I just don't think that he is big enough to just jump straight to the main roster. I honestly don't. I think if any of these people are big enough to jump straight to the main roster at this point, it's probably either James Storm or Ricochet just as far as if you're going for, like, indie fans or fans of TNA, those two names are, are bigger, or fans of Lucha Underground are, are bigger than EC3. Uh, not that EC3 is a bad wrestler or anything of that nature. I just, I, I Ricochet and, and James Storm have been many cards ac- across, you know, for a long period of time, longer than EC3. Uh, EC3 definitely benefited by a lot of people leaving TNA there towards the end so that he was one of the uh, top performers there, but um, nothing against him. I think he could build his character and do really good things in NXT, but I'd rather see him be at NXT before he's in the Royal Rumble unless they're going to do a thing that we talked about previously, which is uh, slowly talking about how NXT people are going to be entering the Rumble and putting an emphasis on that. But with it being so close, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. Um, it would be really cool to see Ricochet just come straight in. If they're going to put him on 205 Live, that would make sense to like maybe throw him in the mix somehow at Royal Rumble, uh, even if it's just in a slight match. But I, I would really prefer to see him uh, push for the NXT title. I, I think he could have some great matches with a lot of people that are on that card uh, down in the next year. A lot of people that are on that roster. Uh, trying to think if there's anyone I missed. Um, hmm. Ronda Rousey, I, I think this contract's been in negotiations for a long time. I don't know what it's going to be. It could be a one-off. It could be a limited schedule. Uh, it seems like she hasn't really gotten any nods in Hollywood recently, so this could be the perfect time to kind of scoop her up for a limited schedule, a couple matches, even if she's more of a manager capacity or an enforcer capacity. I think there's things that you can do with her that will draw money. Um, I think that she's still a name that people recognize and people will see on ESPN and be like, what's this? I probably should check that out. Um, And for uh, Casey Catanzaro, I probably pronounced her name wrong. I haven't seen a lot of her work, uh, so I don't know... Really, what to think about that one? And Candice LeRae, I think, is great. So I think that was a good pickup as well for NXT. They're slowly trying to rebuild that uh, women's division, so I like a lot of things they're doing down there. Um, since a lot of their top stars have been pushed up to the to the main roster either on SmackDown or on uh, Raw, so I think everything about this is great. It's always good to see them grabbing up these people who are I think who are I think are really really. Uh, you know, good wrestlers and kind of been looked over in the past. I think Laurel Van Ness is is a really cool character. They can do a lot um, if they use her right. I hope they use her more in the fashion of where where TNA kind of used her. Um, But they could go with just her being a legitimate athlete. or It's going to be weird just seeing what they do with her. But maybe she'll come out with a whole new character. That's going to be interesting. But I think it's good that they're trying to rebuild. Like when they're signing these male uh, males in the past for NXT, it would be like a ratio of, you know, six to one. And now it seems like they're doing more of a half and half thing, which I think is good for NXT. And and at the end of the day, it's good for, uh, both SmackDown and Raw because the, the more females you have, the, the more stuff you can do, the better, the better, you know, female wrestling is going to be. So I, I really like those signings every, there's no one on here that I just absolutely dislike um, in fact, there's one wrestler on here that has been in my top five multiple times when <laughs> we talk about top five or top ten wrestlers in the world. Um, so I'm really excited about the signings. I just hope they know how to use the guys right. I think that they'll do a good job. I think for the most part, everyone who's came through NXT has had success um, in some form, and I think a lot of people look over that. And that's why I ch- try to tell you to stay out of the comments section because if you're like a huge Samoa Joe mark, um, you're obviously going to be upset that Samoa Joe hasn't won the title in WWE yet, because uh, they could have gave a massive push against Brock Lesnar. Like, there's things that you can pinpoint about every one of these people's careers. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, like Kevin Owens being John Cena, um, and then having that great feud with Sami Zayn. Uh, like you stated uh, earlier when you were talking to me, you, you, since K Nakamura has already been in the title picture. He's already had title matches. He didn't walk, or, uh, walk away with the title that's building him up for later. Like maybe he wins the Royal Rumble and walks out champion, you know, at WrestleMania or something crazy like that. There's, I don't think that they've really shit on anyone. I think that the exception might be Ty Dillinger, but I also don't think that he's that great. I never, I I think he had a good gimmick um, that fans like to chant, but the yes chant is just the yes chant without Daniel Bryan being an excellent performer and promo. So uh, he's the only one that comes out of NXT that I'm kind of like, they haven't done anything with. Uh, For a long time, I really thought that they didn't do a lot with Sami Zayn. But looking back, the storyline that him and uh, Kevin Owens had over their feud, even though it wasn't necessarily for a title at all times, I think was some of the biggest stuff on those shows. And sometimes it's not all about winning titles. Um, And if Sami Zayn, I, I mean, the way they built Sami Zayn was to be an underdog for a long time. Um, and I'm glad they've kind of gotten away from that, but they kind of wanted him to take a bunch of losses and then eventually win a title so you could have like a Daniel Bryan moment, uh, but it, it doesn't work the same because Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn are completely different. Overall, what they've done with NXT, the way they've been able to scout talent, the way they've been able to pick up a lot of these indie guys is super impressive, and I, I would I would dare say War Machine is definitely one of the best tag teams out there, so picking them up is a huge get because now you can start to look at moving Sanity up um, or you could look at moving the authors of pain up because you're basically losing one tag team and subbing another one in for fresh feuds. And I think that out of all these, I think that's probably their biggest pickup besides uh, Rick rickshade, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I, I agree with you. I, let me, let me analyze this myself a little bit uh especially bounce off what you just were saying. Um, Let's, let's first go from the bottom. Ronda Rousey. We've talked about her at length. Uh, all she can bring is, you know, uh, fierceness, credibility, uh, you know, just be a good spectacle. If she wants to stick around and be kind of a part-timer, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Paul Heyman has already said that he will definitely represent her. And, and he wants basically, uh, he told Sam Roberts, he wants to basically turn her into the, like the female Brock Lesnar, which is I think exactly what you do in that type of case. Um, if she wants to do it, great. Let's go on to the you know the wrestlers uh, with Laura Von S., James Storm, Bobby Lashley. Um, Bobby Lashley's there for spectacle. Uh, you know they want him to go against it's the big guy concept. You know maybe against Brock Lesnar for a match, something that they never did or um, do something like that. I wish honestly it was Moose between the two of them. Uh, it's kind of similarities, but I think that Moose has charisma. Bobby Lashley has the charisma of an old shoe. But, you know, maybe he'll change that, uh, my opinion, once I see him a little more in the WWE. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, he was actually, he wasn't a part of uh, OVW's class with Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, uh, Rob, um, Randy Orton, John Cena, and uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, but he was, I think, like right next to him. I think he was like, so he's been a part of that whole entire concept. I understand he's a good athlete. Like I said, I just don't find him that relatable or anything like that. Uh, James Storm, I would love if it wasn't EC3, cause I agree with you. I don't, I don't think EC3 really should come out during the Royal Rumble. He should probably go, if Ricochet is going to the, the, the um, what should we call it? The performance center, the EC3 should like work on, you know, a little bit of stuff, but like, it would be great to see James Storm seriously show up at the Royal Rumble out of all these guys and get a big response. Um, you know, this late in his career and he said that he wants a few with, with um, Bobby Roode and I think that would be kind of cool to play out for a WWE audience uh, Laurel Van Ness uh, great female talent um, I think that's awesome Cand- Candice LeRae, she's going to dominate she's awesome in the friggin ring um, I can't wait to see her go places, I think she'll get the female, ti- or the female title, the NXT women's title pretty damn quickly Casey Canezaro is interesting she she's not she's a new wrestler she's actually going to be made from scratch there, but she is an athlete like a like a hellion she's a little small girl but she did the American Ninja Warrior faster than anyone first uh, American to, to be able to finish that so I mean that's impressive to some extent so I think that they could really build her into a pretty damn good fast female wrestler War Machine's going to be awesome especially when they get to Maine I mean. I just love Haas and Haas tag team. So to see them potentially go against Harper and Rowan, uh, Authors of Pain, you said Heavy Machinery, uh, and, and also the small guys uh, will be a lot of fun. Those guys, especially Hanson, can move their ass off. And of course, Ricochet. Ricochet, I think he's on, since he's at the Performance Center, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be in NXT, which is fine. My hopes is that they treat him like Finn Balor and not like Neville. Um, I don't really want to see him go to Cruiserweights. I think that would be kind of a waste. Um, I know they're, they're doing some stuff. If they were to, like, like, and we've said this before, they've heightened the show. I have enjoyed it. If they were to, like, start giving a lot of talent, you know, Leo Rush is going to be going over there. Like, a lot of those guys get some more indie big names and start filling it up. It would be, you know, bigger than what it is. But it, since it's not, and I don't think it's going to be, I think Ricochet is better off, you know, NXT, and then from NXT to main in some type of capacity. The guy's got so much damn charisma. His two favorite in-ring wrestlers, which is very noticeable, is Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio Jr. And he has been called out by not only his wife, Tessa Blanchard, who's obviously another badass, and hopefully she comes in soon, uh, but also by Stone Cold for having a lot of similarities to his favorite in-ring, uh, or not in-ring, but um, uh, I guess gimmick wrestler, The Rock. He's, he's a huge fan of The Rock. I think he has that type of charisma, but he's fucking luchador fast, which is an awesome combination. I think that he could do big things on main, put him on SmackDown, put in some, him in some amazing matches with AJ Styles. Um, you know, there's so many wrestlers. Uh, so I think all of these guys have a high ceiling. EC3 is another one. I think he's going to do tremendous stuff. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of Jericho, a little bit of uh, Rick Rude. I, I just think the guy is a badass. A little bit over the rock as well. Uh, he's got that type of charisma going for him. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. And I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think that any of these guys are going to get buried. I kind of get sick of hearing uh, people. Out of, oh yeah, well, excuse going to destroy them once. Yeah, look, Vince does some wacky shit um, with this whole Alpha Entertainment. I don't even know how long Vince is going to be there. So that's probably a good thing. But either way, Vince does some wacky shit. But I think he knows what he's doing. All the Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura marks, I understand. But realize that I don't even think Shinsuke's been there for a full year yet. Samoa Joe definitely hasn't. They're always been the title picture. There's a good chance that we can sh- see Shinsuke versus AJ Styles at Mania. He is actually, right now, Shinsuke, Samoa Joe is up there, but obviously he's not in, in uh, Rumble because of the injury. But Shinsuke is like the leading person to win the Royal Rumble. Um uh, not saying that's going to happen or not, but I just calm the fuck down. Everyone needs to chill out when they start talking about NXT gets buried. Finn Balor was the first Universal Champion. No one thought they had a shot because of his body type. Um, look at what Kevin Owens did. He came up as the NXT Champion and beat John Cena. Every person in the Shield's done well, obviously. They've won almost every single title. And then I'll also go back to, like, non NXT. Well, look at Dolph Ziggler. I love Dolph Ziggler. He's won every fucking title, too. So quick, give me excuses that, oh, blah, 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 blah. Yes, there's your Ty Jellinger. Sometimes people like Sami Zayn have to sit out until they find a spot for him.
1: I I mean, I agree with you 100%. I think when you really look at WWE, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's great that they're pulling in all these big-name stars, but at the end of the day, someone has to lose. So if you're a huge fan of a certain wrestler – they're gonna lose, especially with WWE booking. It's 50/50, and the more big names they bring in, like Ricochet and War Machine and James Storm, that's just less of a chance of your favorite winning. It makes the roster better, it makes the matches across the board better, but at some point you gotta realize, like you know, James Storm is probably not gonna be on the top card of Raw. So if you're a huge James Storm fan and you're looking at this like this is finally James Storm's is shot, well. I would say you're probably looking more around the level of, say, you know, Intercontinental title, USA title. Um, Just be realistic because, like, think about the WWE roster. And we're not even naming older people like John Cena, Randy Orton. When you start The Miz, like, when you start really dissecting it, WWE's talent is stacked now. They don't necessarily always make the best booking decisions. They don't necessarily give the people in the ring enough time to work. Those are the things I think you can be upset about. But as far as these wrestlers not necessarily getting a push, that's like, that's a hard thing to say because you have two separate shows. You have one that's three hours. You have one that's two hours. Then you have NXT. And then you have 205 Live. So you have multiple shows with all of these different great athletes, including the guys on 205. Um, Everyone has their place. If everyone was, you know, books like Ric Flair in the 80s, um, (laughs) then no one would ever lose, and it wouldn't be fun to watch. I I think you just have to come to an exception of, like, or, 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 or like, in your mind, you have to just know that, like, okay, AJ Styles is a bigger name and a bigger performer than Samoa Joe. He's going to get pushed harder. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean that I like AJ Styles more or less than Samoa Joe. Um, It doesn't take away what Samoa Joe was able to accomplish in Ring Honor or TNA. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the raw roster and you look at the fact that Samoa Joe's been injured for quite some time, he's been going in and out of the lineup. Um, Same thing with Finn Balor. He was out for a full year after winning the title. It takes a while to get that momentum back. Uh, You can't, and, and, and during the meantime, you have someone like Braun Strowman who has become kind of a fan favorite and has been booked really well and had some good matches against other big men like the Big Show and Kane, um, and Brock Lesnar. And Chris, uh, correct me if I'm uh, wrong. Roman Reigns.
0: But Strowman is an invention of the Performance Center, right?
1: I believe so. He's like so. an
0: athlete that's straight started from them from scratch. So I am saying. It's like, he, even, even Bray Wyatt, you guys have to realize, Bray Wyatt's been pushed and pushed and pushed.
1: He's... Uh Oh, Dane, I think I lost you, bud.
0: Oh, can you not hear me?
1: I can hear you now. He's been pushed and pushed and pushed, and continue. All right, you're cutting back off. But, I mean, I think what Dane was trying to say, and um, I'm sure when he cuts back in, he'll definitely correct me, but... A hundred percent, I agree with him. When you're when you're talking like Bray Wyatt's part of the Performance Center, you have people like Bo Dallas, who was also part of the Performance Center. There's tons of people. They're just they all have to fit a certain role, and this is why I don't get into these conversations on Facebook about people getting buried or mistreated. Like
0: I think buried back, would man. be
1: okay. <laughs> I would say buried would be like what happened to Christian for years and years.
0: Um, and I agree, but I mean, and, even and a Dolph Ziegler, you know, that's a good
1: and example. Dolph Ziggler to some extent, um, you haven't seen these guys long enough to know that they're getting buried, to be honest. And, and with the stacked as the roster is it's, that's just hard for me to accept, but it's also the bitter, you know, fan that's watched a lot of their favors get better, uh, are buried. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people were huge Christian fans and he won the title and basically immediately dropped it. Um, and the only reason they gave it to him was because Edge had to retire. It was almost just a playoff Edge retiring. And um, I think he is a good example of someone that has been buried over the years. Uh, but, you know, these NXT people, I don't think that they've even been around long enough to make that assumption. And I completely the- agree. Okay, you're back. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Yeah, we're having some. I, I'm actually having some technical issues. Trying to do everything off my cell phone uh, keeps on kicking me out. I have no idea, but we're going to still give you guys a great show. But I think what me and Chris are trying to say, in a roundabout way, is that I think people that are within the system have a lot of potential to do something. Yes, you have in your beginning days. You have something like the wolves that just didn't work out but did well on the indie scenes uh, between uh, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, um, you know, or or through Impact and stuff like that. And they, there's still a chance they could come back. I mean, there's there's people that were at the beginning. Obviously, EC3 is a good example. Uh, but in, in the end, I think that you're going to see a lot of potential with these guys. And I think that there's a lot to happen uh, in wrestling for this class of new recruits. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of them develop. They have another female uh, Canadian Olympian that they that is this close to signing. I forgot her name is, but it's, it's she's a gold medalist. Uh, it sounds like what they're trying to do is maybe like make her the female Kurt Angle. I don't know. I, I think that type of stuff is cool though. So they keep at it. Um, I think that we'll see a lot of great talent. And I just really hope that eventually, i said this to you before, Chris, is that I want NXT to be its own brand. I, I, if this whole Whether Fox buying out or or, uh, obtaining the rights for Raw or or, uh, USA working out a new thing and they're really trying to get rid of the third hour of Raw and potentially give it to NXT, I would love NXT to be its own thing and it to be more of like a floating between wrestlers because it's the better show. And especially if they had two hours, it would show with its writing that it's the better show than SmackDown and Raw, especially SmackDown lately. I don't know what the hell happened to that show. But either way... We've gone through one subject. It's a pretty damn good subject, but we should keep on moving. Keep on moving on. All right, 25th anniversary Monday Night Raw show. Man, Chris, are you excited about this? Uh, Having good old JR and and Jerry the King Lawler and a bunch of nostalgia next Monday?
1: Man, I'm excited for this, but this is going to be, like, one of the longest episodes of Monday Night Raw ever because there's going to be a lot of root segments. A lot of them. Absolutely.
0: Let me go over our guest list real quick, and I'll throw it to you, okay? Because I know exactly what you're saying. Um, you got the million dollar med tape, Ted DiBiase, uh, the Godfather, uh, Brother Love, so Bruce Prichard is going to be there. The Boogeyman, who's probably going to be like in like a little teeny segment. Uh, Theodore Long, John Laurinaitis, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, of course, the big names, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, hopefully making his first announcement-like thing since, you know, everything that's happened. The Undertaker, which there's a lot of stuff associated with what's going on with The Undertaker. Is he going to fight John Cena at Mania? Is he coming out as the American Badass? We don't know. DX, Triple H and Shawn Michaels will be there. Uh, like I already said, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler will be commentating the whole entire time. Keep Michael Cole the fuck away from the announce booth. Anyways, let Corey Graves join them. He can grace their presence. Belly uh, the Boys. Scott Hall, unfortunately Kevin Ash, not going to be able to make it. He had some knee surgery, and he's uh, they had to take him off the bill basically. Um, Eric Bischoff, which is awesome. I love seeing Eric Bischoff. I wish he would be one of the commissioners. I love Kurt Angle, but I wish he came back for, like, a one last wrestling thing. And Eric Bischoff was, like, the, uh, the guy, because I think that Kurt's kind of like. Anyways, that's another story. Uh, Nikki and Bri Bella, Tori Wilson, Terry Runnels, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, JBL and Ron Simmons, New Age Outlaws, and the most uh, intriguing concept, Chris Jericho, who just you know had the Omega Alpha and is pretty much not signed, but has a some type of deal going on with New Japan. Um, I think the biggest things that I would like to ask you based on this is Steve Austin going kind to of stun or Vince McMahon. Um, uh, is the Dudley Boys going to put someone through a table um, and uh, let's see, what's what's another one that I saw that I really wanted to ask you and I can't think of it oh, how is Chris Sherko involved in all this? How do you feel about the guests? What do you think going to happen? And why is John Laurinaitis even invited?
1: Uh, to me, John Laurinaitis and Teddy Long are going to be biting for some kind of controversy between Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, and probably Kurt Angle, where Kurt Angle's getting ran down for some reason, probably following this Braun Strowman thing that they set up. And then you're going to get to see Stone Cold stutter some people. that That is my guess on that, so check to the Stone Cold stutter. Um, you could also see Chris Jericho running down Stephanie McMahon. I think that's a very plausible you could also see Chris Jericho having kind of a heel moment talking about there's no true competition for him and going to New Japan if they are building something with New Japan I think that would be a good way to use him um and turn him completely heel and then later down the road if you want to bring him back he would have that concept of where he basically turned his back on WWE uh so I think that's something they could do um I don't know that they necessarily will, but if I was booking it and I had Chris Jericho after that huge match that blew the internet up, that would be where I went with it. Um, and then the Dully's putting someone through a table. I expect them to put prob- probably, probably, probably uh, Cesaro or Sheamus through a table or, or something with the Taraj. That would probably be where you to see them show up. So expect someone for the Taraj or Cesaro or Sheamus to get put through a table. Um, most of this just really disappoint. Like having someone like, to me, Tori Wilson, Terry Reynolds, and Michelle McCool and Kelly Kelly, are all examples of what female wrestling shouldn't be, and what they've tried yeah. to get away from so hard. So to even have them on the card is kind of just to me disgusting. uh yeah, where's, where's Molly the-
0: Holly? Where's Lita? Where's Trish? Like
1: where's, where's the Ivory? actual? Where's Jackie? Where are the people? Yeah, where are the people they always talk about when they talk about like what women's wrestling should be? And then they just booked a bunch of divas who were never really good at wrestling. Um, and I, if you're gonna Michelle do that, we're Stacy Keebler? God. <laughs> just in general, I think it's a bad idea to have them on the card. I don't, I don't think they add anything to it unless you're gonna have like a women's battle royal, uh, which I'm assuming this is where this is leading to. If we get like a weird broad pennies match or something or something just absolutely terrible, I'm gonna be really pissed off because I think they've came such a long way from what the Divas division was. And specifically Michelle McCool and Kelly Kelly being the Divas champions for so long and it being so terrible to the point where it was cringeworthy, where you wanted to change the channel, where you wanted to get up and get a beer during each of their segments. That It's just like, to me, that's one, the one thing I didn't see. Nick, like Nikki and Brie Bella, I'm fine with because I think that they transitioned and got better and continued to try to get better and, and granted some injuries held them back and some different things in their lives held them back but I still feel like I accept them more as female wrestlers than the other four that I named um, but I mean you could see something as simple as New Age Outlaws in a match against the Dudley Boys uh, you know that like a nostalgia match there's some things they're going to do there
0: saying their catchphrases uh, and shit
1: yeah Ron Simmons is definitely just going to come out and say damn um it'll be interesting. Maybe but I mean Maybe he me, punches this is...
0: JBL and says, Oh yeah, you're a racist and then finally hits him in the face. No? <sighs> oh. maybe, maybe. <laughs> you're quite doubtful. Um speaking but, speaking of which also before before you keep on going, uh we were confirmed by WWE I shouldn't have said that by speaking of Hulk Hogan is not gonna be there, guys. Um Hulk said he'll be there in spirits, brother, and a bunch of other jargon. But uh, WWE said that they're sticking to their guns about this, which I I completely get. I still think it's fucking ridiculous, though, that you have the Ultimate Warrior uh, sponsor as an award who doesn't even back, didn't even want to admit that he was a wrestler, and said some really homophobic stuff. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, Hulk, Hulkster's not gonna be there. I, I mainly want to definitely touch on this Undertaker part, though, Chris. I feel like what it's going to be, if the John Cena tr- uh, things are, are are true, it's going to come out as the American badass, you know, maybe bring up that whole entire thing. He goes to say something. John Cena, his music hits. He says, old man, you got one more fight in you. You know, let me go three strikes and you're out type of thing. And they have a match at WrestleMania. I would prefer him stay retired. But if they're going to do it, don't bring the dead man back. It's done. You left it there. And let it, it should have been John Cena. I think a lot of us believe that to begin with. I love Roman Reigns. I really do. But it seemed like him and Cena were, you know, that, that kind of should have been the the passing, if you will. Um, but what the hell do you think the dead man's going to be doing there? Talking like this?
1: I mean, if it's me, And I have a lot of money to spend. I'm trying to set up Taker versus HBK part three for one last match and then have HBK go over and that be the official end of the Undertaker's career. But they're not going to do that. Well, that would be incredible. (laughs) Exactly. Don't
0: don't toy with me, Chris.
1: That would be like,
0: (laughs) well, if if it was me, you know, Sting all of a sudden would fucking appear in the middle of the ring and be like, Taker, it's me and you. One more match and Sting beats him, taking him out and has his only win at WrestleMania. But neither one of those scenarios are going to play out. So, do you think it's <laughs> so, do you think it's going to be John Cena versus Undertaker? And do you think he's going to bring back the Dead Man, or is all this bullshit? And he's going to say, "Guys, I'm retired. I'm done. It's,
1: it's over." I honestly, I honestly don't think we're going to get a Taker match at WrestleMania. And if we do, my money would be on Finn Balor and not any of these other people that were talked about thus far. I feel like that the battle, they, I don't necessarily think that they have John Cena versus uh taker because they don't, they, they think that's going to be way too similar to Roman Reigns versus taker. Um, and also you have to keep in mind that taker could wrestle anyone. He's not really assigned to a specific roster, the same as John Cena. So you could get, Taker versus... What about Braun Strowman? You, know, you could get Taker versus Strowman or Taker versus Nakamura. You could get a bunch of different things out Ooh. of that that I don't I like think that people one. are thinking of because I think a lot of people are just immediately it's going to be Cena, but Cena doesn't need it and I think if Taker's coming back, he's going to want to put someone young over. Like, John Cena beating Undertaker isn't going to do anything for Undertaker or John Cena. In fact, it'll be a match that people will probably like, eh, it was fine. So I think if they're going to do something, it's going to be with someone younger, maybe like a Demon Finn Balor or, a, uh, or someone like Nakamura, who's not necessarily younger, but is definitely a fresh face. Uh, maybe even a Matt Hardy, if they can get that gimmick geared in the right direction. I think you can get some cool stuff out of that. But to me, your money... If you could spend enough to get HBK to go one more time with Undertaker, even if you know the match isn't going to be as good, I think that would be, you know, where that match, That if you're going nostalgia. Instead of Cena versus Taker, HBK versus Taker, or even Jericho versus it Taker makes would sense. a lot more. It
0: makes so much sense with Sean, but, God, wouldn't you prefer to see him in the ring with AJ or Seth? I mean, obviously, that kind of like they would have a fucking incredible off-the-wall match.
1: Normally, um, I would say normally I would say yes, but just knowing what HBK and the Undertaker can do when they get mean, the ring together, yeah. You're, you're yeah. I mean, you're guaranteed a good match even with their age. Like you're guaranteed they're going to have a good match.
0: Um, uh, Jawan said that he'd like to see Taker and uh, Kane uh, versus Braun. <laughs> that would be interesting, and like
1: in like a handicap match, I could see that.
0: I I, I guess yeah, and um, you know, or you could just have Kane and Undertaker have their last match. I mean, that's also another possibility where both of them are retiring, no matter what, and Undertaker has one last win. I think Kane would would lose in that scenario, um, but who knows? It's uh, it's it's it, it's pretty intriguing. Um, I would love some interaction. That's that's another thing. It's like these older wrestlers. Last question before we move on for the 25th anniversary show. Um, what are some of the interactions you'd like to see between the old wrestlers that are coming in and the newer ones? In uh, particular, I'd love to see Steve Austin give a pep talk to Braun Strowman about trying to uh, keep his anger from getting the best of him. I think that would be fucking hilarious.
1: Honestly, I, I would, there's not many interactions on this list that I want to see because I know how this Monday Night Raw is going to go. Um, I can tell you what I don't want to see. I do not want to see Tory Wilson, Terry Reynolds, Michelle McCool, or Kelly Kelly. I don't really care about JBL and Ron Simmons together. Um, I'm fine. If you're going to do a tag match, I would say New Age Outlaws versus the Dudley Boys. I think that's fine. I think they can both go in the ring. I think that will be what a about decent Eric tag match. Eric Bischoff would be cool. The fact that they have so many GMs stacked, I feel like Kurt Engel may be losing his job and that's why they're putting them all there, so that intrigues me. Um, John Laurinaitis and Sergeant Slaughter, I don't give two shits about. The Boogeyman scaring one person, I'm fine with. I'm sure it'll be something ridiculous. Um, probably so, something with so i guess me and you deal. Are both,
0: I, I'm, I'm coming to the assumption that me and you are hoping that what happens
1: with this is
0: that, you know, it's a normal episode, basically, based on what happened this week, extending, and they kind of mesh each person in there, but not making it so abrupt or ridiculous. Um, but are they going to like, try to incorporate these guys and make it like an overall story within the episodes, what I'm wondering. And do you think that Titus worldwide will try to grab Ted DiBiase to make him join as a sponsor?
1: I mean, that would be awesome. Or even trying to recruit the Godfather. I think that would be something really funny that you could do um, as a short segment. It's got to be very short, though. Uh, To me, the biggest thing on this is Chris Jericho, because I think you can get the most out of that, get the most mileage out of that. Um, And I think that if you can talk about New Japan, and there's been conversations about this that we've had, having him be a full heel and be like, I left this place for a reason. You guys don't deserve me. I I went to New Japan. Like, He's actually able to talk about New Japan, and you could possibly get like a New Japan deal going with WWE, which I do think that they are working to based on the fact that Jericho is going to be wrestling NATO and the fact that they're not kind of shy. They haven't been shy about talking about this entire thing. I think they're trying to work something out. I don't know how that's going to play out. Um,
0: I think Jericho But,
1: but Jericho for sure is the most intriguing part about all of this because I don't care to Absolutely. see another undertaker match. I was completely fine yeah. with that being undertaker's last match. Um, I thought it was a good match to go out on, on. I thought it was a little bit of a passing of the torch. I, I thought they've done a really good job with Roman Reigns. Um, even building up to that match, I thought Roman Reigns had been doing a good job. So I don't want to see him wrestle Roman again. I don't want to see him necessarily take on the valor. Uh, I feel like that might be where they go is where they're like, okay, well we have Bray Wyatt, we have Finn Balor, and we have Matt Hardy, and he's got to go against one of these guys. And none of those will get as good of a match out of Taker as like, you know, HBK or Jericho or, you know, some of these older AJ guys. I think they can work at AJ Styles. I, I think there's certain guys that are going to get better matches out of Taker than other people. I'm excited to see Stone Cold, but I just expect him to stutter people and throw the beers up. It's nice seeing Ric Flair, but I thought we had a really great Ric Flair moment when Charlotte won the title again, and he wasn't there, and then he surprised her. I thought that was, like, the perfect Ric Flair moment. And there's a lot of people on this list that I just don't associate with Monday Night Raw. I just don't. Like, I don't associate Eric. I mean, I know Eric Bischoff was there, but I don't associate him. I don't associate him with Monday Night Raw. I don't. I mean, he was there for a while, but I don't necessarily – when I think of him, I don't go, oh, shit, Monday Night Raw. Sergeant Slaughter, I guess, he was one of the goons for Vince for a little bit. Um, Do you, I, think, I, I feel like
0: they might be doing something with Sergeant Slaughter and DX, maybe like a, something involved with that bullshit again, where they have like the windshield wipers on their face or whatever. DX is going to be fun, uh, whatever they plan on doing. Um, what I'm looking forward to the most, though, Chris, is besides finding out what the hell the Undertaker's doing and see what Chris Jericho could be up to, is having Jr. and Jerry the King Lawler team up and do commentary for another Raw, you know, just like the old days a little bit. But I do agree that the females involved in this kind of disappointing. Like we've said, many no, I mean, that out, really
1: outside outside of Nikki and Brie. Like I like I said, I'm not I wasn't ever yeah. huge fans of them. But I think that they stepped their game up enough, and they tried. They're badasses, though.
0: Yeah, they tried.
1: When they got with,
0: when they split off and and, when
1: they when they split off and got with good wrestlers, they tried. When Michelle McCool married The Undertaker, she stayed shitty. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) she pulled pulled a Hulk Hogan. She was like, uh, "The Undertaker is my husband, so I'm going to do what I want." Um, But yeah. Regardless, though, I think that we can say that this will be fun. And I also think that they have some stuff up their sleeve. I would not be surprised if The Rock makes an appearance. I would not be surprised if someone else, to that extent, that's not on this lineup makes an appearance, just to, like, make everyone go, ah! And I also, I would bet money that it will. the show will start off with Broken Glass and Stone Cold coming out and making a promo right off the
1: bat. I could be wrong about well, that. Well, all right. So... One thing I have to say about this, and I'm going to channel my inner Jim, like Jim Cornette on this one. Oh your God. past stars should never be bigger than your normal stars. So when you book this many names on a fucking show, it scares me in general because you're openly admitting, even if it's your 25th anniversary show, that your past is better than your present. And I don't like that. So I hope these people are used very minimally, unless it's going to lead to something like somewhere with like a Chris Jericho and the undertaker, the rest of the shit should be three minute segments done really quick. And there should be two hours of precedent. Now what they're going to do is do an hour and a half of this bullshit that I don't care about with 15 minutes of undertaker and Jericho mixed in.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's what I'm worried about too. You got three hours and this time you could really use the three hours to be able to chunk everything in you know, make it about what's going on right now to lead up to the Royal Rumble, and have stuff like this sprinkled in throughout the thing just to bring nostalgia back. The biggest segments, honestly, should be DX, The Undertaker, Stone Cold, and I mean, that's about it, really. A Jericho. Everyone else should be like a little, little, teeny here and there is in the back with the interacting with the other guys. That's about it. And have a badass, you know, Jr. and Jim uh, uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler calling the shots the whole entire time. So I do hope you're right about the New Age Outlaws maybe going against. Maybe they'll do Maybe they'll do th- like two old teams and two new teams and put them against. I don't know. And uh, the Deadly Boys. But people are going through tables. It should be interesting. And uh, God rush her soul, May Young, if she was there, she'd probably show a nipple. All right, let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> May Young, one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time. We know her from giving birth to a hand and taking off her clothes on Raw during the Attitude Arrow. God dang. All yeah. right. Oh, yeah, the results of the first mixed match challenge. I want to say that this match was the best match on SmackDown that was not on SmackDown because SmackDown was pretty bad this week, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Finn Balor and Sasha Banks won against Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalya. It's a pretty good match back and forth. Uh, they had a, a couple parts where uh, both Natalia and Sasha Banks interacted with the man. But for the most part, it was the same type of rules where if you switch, you got to switch sexes. Uh, but still, it was great seeing Finn Balor and Shinsuke, uh, who are good friends in real life, mix things up. It makes you want to see them go against each other in the ring for real. I'm intrigued by this, but I'm not going to say that I'm completely sold yet. But uh, Finn Balor and Sasha Banks continue. Shinsuke and Natalia do not. Um, Chris, uh, do you have anything to say before we move on from this? Just kinda of report. I mean
1: here. right off the bat, I wanna go ahead and say I know we gave a shout out to Mae Young, but Mae Young is a terrible person. Like she was a terrible person. Um, you can Jesus. read about the things you can read about the things Mae Young used to do. Um as far as <laughs> her and Fabulous Moolah both were not the best. <laughs> um so, I, I'm not fans of uh, necessarily either of them as far as if you read their backstory. What they did in WWE in the, in the late 90s is kind of funny, and I think it's, you know, a nice thing to think about nostalgia-wise, but if you go back and read about either of them, they weren't very, very nice people. Okay, so uh, that both being the said... The
0: Warrior Award and, and the <laughs> Mayon Classic are tainted.
1: Awesome. Yes. There yes. Go. Uh, but... Uh, for the mix Max Challenge, I, I kind of assumed that Finn Balor and Tasha Banks were going to win. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it, so I don't have comments on the actual match, but I, I think it makes sense. And it's setting up to a little mini feud, probably in the Royal Rumble between Finn and, and Nakamura, because uh, I'm assuming Finn's going to be in the in the Rumble. So I, I think it did a good job at that based on what I read, but I didn't actually see the match, so I don't have any kind of criticisms or negativity towards it. I think it's a really cool idea. I like a lot of the artwork they released around it, drawing, like, cartoon characters. Um, yeah. Um, and I kind of wondered if, like, Jerry Lawler was involved in that or uh, what artist they had involved in that, because I thought it was really, really cool. A lot of the stuff that they posted on Twitter around this. And I am intrigued to see where it goes, but I, I did not get a chance to check this out. Uh, late, I guess it was late Tuesday night. Uh, so I, I didn't get a chance to check it out, but... I did read the results, and I think it's smart to put Finn Balor and Sasha over, um, just based on where they're going to try to build this, which I think is going to be Finn Balor and Sasha Banks versus The Miz and Asuka on the Raw. Or I, I'm assuming. Um, well, no, because they're going to go SmackDown Raw, obviously. It's going to be interesting God, I want to see what Braun happens. But I think Asuka. I think that's going to be your, you know, your finals to me. Um, yep. Just because Braun, Braun didn't give a single fuck. So, like, Braun losing a match isn't going to matter. Uh, so, I, I don't feel like his team's going to go very far. <laughs> but, Miss, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> I don't see him going very far in this tournament, <laughs> which is unfortunate for Alexa. But she's also the women's champion, so it doesn't matter as much uh, for her. But, uh yeah, I mean it's it's a cool concept. It's just one of those things I wish that they were just doing on Raw. Um, I like they're trying to do stuff through Facebook Live, but I don't necessarily like it. Yeah, it's this is all testing or something. Into, it is, and and that's kind of the it's not. I wouldn't even say a problem. I don't have a problem with it. It's just I they're already presenting me with so much wrestling to watch um, with NXT. Five hours of SmackDown and Raw plus uh, NXT plus 205 plus this thing on Facebook Live—that is just a lot to consume. I mean, it's a lot, and that's not a bad thing. But it—I also got to watch New Japan, bro. So, <laughs> like, they need to calm down yeah. a little bit and just give me and the. Then best. I
0: sometimes watch Impact, and then I sometimes watch Ring of Honor, and then I'm also watching Lucha Underground, trying to keep up with that. There's a lot of wrestling out there, and progress. Whenever they have their fucking free shows they are
1: four hours. My and God. uh and, and and also I'm just not a huge fan of way the way WWE does mixed tag matches. Um Me neither. Uh it's not necessarily they're bad. Not it's balls. just there's they're stuck to a format. They really are, because the females can never wrestle the males. And and that's probably good for the male wrestlers. I get why they do that. Um but you just always end up with the same match. Uh, it's always going to be yep. the same form. Uh, it's a very formulated match. I think it's cool, the pairings that they did. Ben Balor and Sasha Banks is really cool. Alexa Bliss and uh, big badass Braun Strowman really cool. The Miz and Oscar, who are kind of complete opposites <laughs> on a, like a weird scale, is a really cool combo. And I, I kind of honestly hope they win just because it would be so crazy to see The Miz have that because he would talk about it so much. Like, he's the reason they won, even though it would probably be Asuka is the reason they won, which would be kind of great for his character. Um,
0: I I hope that happens exactly like that, though. I hope that (laughs) throughout the whole entire thing, Miz is always the one who does less and always talks the most out of the two of them. And by the end of it, Asuka maybe is the reason why they lose. Like, she just kicks him in the head and just leaves him in the ring, and that's it
1: which I think would be, you know, great for both of their characters. So that, that's the team that I, I most like in this. And I will go back and watch this. It's just one that I, I didn't get to. So. Um, well, but I, like I said, I for not I, watching it. I, I think Balor versus Nakamura, like, you know, they build the mini feuds going into the Royal Rumble, and I think that's one to watch out for, for sure.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's go to our next news item. Uh, this is titled Matt Hardy, Re-Unbroken Wide Awake. Um, Well, basically, if you guys can't tell from everything that's been happening lately, uh, Matt Hardy has been wonderful. He's woken. Yes. And uh, what that means is that he finally has worked out and resolved everything with Impact Wrestling. Cooler heads have prevailed. Uh, He worked with, I forgot what the main uh, guy of creative over there is, but, you know, he showed the two of them apparently this is this, this was done a couple of weeks ago. So I think it's funny that they're rolling all this information out now. Um, but that's why we've been seeing what we've been seeing between him and Bray Wyatt, uh, with his character, they're they're starting to really get stuff. Great. I'm hoping by WrestleMania, we have, uh, Rebbe, Rebbe Hardy playing uh, moonlight Sonata while he, you know, actually live there while Matt Hardy comes to the ring, stuff like that, like little details, all the stuff online they're doing, um, They've already established that they want to do something, and I'm hoping it's not going to be the crap that they've done with Bray Wyatt where it doesn't work out, but they want to do something like final deletion. So they have that going for them. Um, and also Matt's input, is, which is really important. Um, I know they don't have Jeremy Borash to help out, but Matt's input with this is very important. They showed a video of Vanguard One um, you know, making his dissension, if you will, to Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy's like there you are, you're back. Uh, apparently, uh, Senior Benjamin's supposed to be coming soon. Uh, you know, in the, in the next little while, Jeff should be get healing up from his injury, so he will probably be seeing Brother Nero. This seems like it's really working out. Do you think, Chris, with everything that's going on with Matt Hardy, that they're going to prolong? And I don't. I actually wouldn't mind this if it goes well. You know, uh, with their first match, that at Mania we'll get a prolonged, um, uh, I don't know, something, uh, a storyline that involves Bray and Matt going into WrestleMania, or do you think that will be nipped in the butt? And maybe it could be Jeff and Matt at WrestleMania, brother Nero versus Matt Hardy, the final, final, final deletion. Christopher, I can't hear you if you're talking.
1: Hey, yes, yes, I'm here. Sorry. Oh. Um, no, so good. what I was going to say is, uh, with the whole Matt Hardy thing, uh, first off, thank you, Rebby Hardy, for being so ride or die.
0: <laughs>
1: so if you're a Matt Hardy broken fan, you all should send Rebby Hardy a thank you, because she is the one that stayed on top of this thing the entire time um, and attacked yep. that company so hard, which is pretty great. So props to Rebby. I would love to see Rebby Hardy uh, break out the theme song live on piano with uh, two babies strapped to her because she's awesome like that. (laughs) And um, I'm excited. I like that he did a Twitter promo with Senior Benjamin bringing him his coat. I thought that was really cool. I think a lot of the stuff that Matt does in social media is kind of what made that character so popular to to begin with. The fact that it was almost like a secret wrestling thing for so long. Um, I think if they do like a final deletion type thing. They don't need to bring in a WWE production crew for it. I would actually hire some other like film company. Um, maybe like, what is the one that uh, Todd, I can't even think of the kid's name now. He was in Looper. Uh, fuck. What is his name? He does like the sinister films. He has his own production company. I, I Anyways, look at like a, a low key horror film. Are you talking about Blumhouse? Yes. Uh, and I can't think of that guy's name for the life of me. It was in Looper. He was also in like Third Rock from the Sun.
0: Oh, Justin Gordon-Levitt.
1: Yes. They need to hire a low-key budget horror film. Uh, and don't use WWE Studios. And try to get one of these found footage crews that are really good at filming that kind of stuff to film a final deletion and also give Matt, Jeff, the family, the input on it. And even Bray, if you're going to do it with Bray or however they want to do it. But if they do it like they did with a uh, new day and uh, Bray Wyatt, the Wyatt family, it's going to be terrible. Like it's not going to be the same thing. Um, it's going to be like watching see no evil versus like the original I spit on your grave. It's just, they're not comparable, even though that's what you're going for. And I've said that uh, many times. But to get back to the point, I think it's awesome. I think it's really, really cool that they finally relinquished those rights. And I think the only reason that they did is because they honestly don't have the money to go to court over it.
0: Yeah, um, Impact they don't wanna, can't have that much money. <laughs> they,
1: they don't have the money to tie up in what that court case would be with the amount of wrestlers that they're currently losing. And I mean that would be a big lawsuit The Hardy Boys have done very very well For themselves over the years uh, And that would be a long lawsuit And if you look in the back pocket And you think Vince McMahon, That's even a scarier thought So I think that's why that thing came to an end
0: Yeah But as far as what they're going to do
1: If
0: he helped them they would, be, they would be the same exact with Vince McMahon Or however fucking he says it
1: Yeah, I mean, technically, Vince McMahon could be like, well, technically, I own the Hardy name in general because I created it or some weird shit and win a lawsuit and then also own all of TNA's footage, (laughs) like, randomly. (laughs) So um, he's probably just not the guy. So I feel like they just, you know, they kind of just gave up. But it gave them such a bad name um, that they had to come out and make that press release saying, like, if you make a gimmick here, you get to keep it, and you can go wrestle for other companies. And it's like, <laughs> at the same time, they had that lawsuit with Matt Hardy, or the pending lawsuit. So I feel like that's why they squashed that. Because a lot of wrestlers were jumping chip and be like, I don't want to lose my gimmick. Like, why would I want to be creative here? Um, but you could definitely, I, I think you're going to see Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt for a while. And I, I think the best way to do it, if you're going to start bringing in the Hardy family, is to make a new Wyatt family. And you could possibly do something where it ties in with sanity. I think there's ways that you could do cool stuff. Um, it'd Just be interesting to see what they do with Bray, because Bray is going to need some people too. Uh, the same way with what they did with Abyss and Rosemary and, and Crazy Steve. I think there's cool things you could do.
0: Well, I do agree with you. And I'm looking forward to the wonderful, um, you know, transition now that Matt Hardy is able to do this. It's it's hilarious. It's not working for everybody, um, you know, if if you look at, at certain things. But I'm loving it. And I'm hoping that they continue with it and that we get another thing. And I really do predict that Matt will be facing either his brother Jeff or Bray Wyatt at Mania. It's going to be one or the other. You know, um, I actually have no idea if Jump will be cleared by then, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he will be. Let's uh, go to another one of our news items. All in, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks have confirmed a venue for 10,000-seat thing. They are trying to basically fill it up. Um, the reason why is because someone asked uh, Dave Metzler during the, um, during the Observer uh, as a question if just if Ring of Honor – could ever fill in a 10,000-seat arena. And he said no. He said that the last time someone's been able to do that was WCW. That TNA couldn't even, you know, they almost did, but they couldn't get to that level. Um, and Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks took that as a challenge. And so now they're, they uh, apparently they scouted different venues, um, but it, it's probably going to happen. Chicago is what I'm hearing. And uh, they're trying to persuade a lot of big names to be a part of this. I'm not going to say that, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of things involved, but two of the people they are going after we know is CM Punk. And of course, Mr. Daniel Bryan, which we do not know what's going to happen once he departs from WWE, which it looks like that's going to be inevitable. Unless WWE has been swerving all of us and Daniel Bryan's about to come back and actually start, you know, wrestling, which I doubt He said if he wasn't wrestling by Mania um, It wasn't clear that it was Inevitable that he was probably going to leave the company Um, So there's definitely a possibility There with CM Punk, it seems like he's You know, strung out On the concept of a guy beating the crap out of him In the octagon again, I don't know why Um, But there's a lot Of names in the indie scene That if you packed You know, and and if you packed it did, Did right matches, and not only in the indie scene Because Ring of Honor is actually pretty big Um Japan names, you know. I mean, Kenny Omega being one of them. Maybe if you get Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho again, a part of that card. I mean, there's certain things that the Young Bucks can do to make this happen, but inevitably, I personally don't think they're going to accomplish it. I think that's if if everything that's going on, was it 10,000. I'm pretty sure is the number. I could be wrong on that. I'm almost positive that that hasn't happened since WCW to compare on the level of WWF and that when TNA was at its biggest, they still didn't get that number. I don't see this happening. I mean, I just don't find it feasible. It doesn't matter if you have a bunch of old legends out there or a bunch of guys like, like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, you could have like a big name like that, you know, Kenny Omega, Okada being a part of the bill. Uh, Shit. That's Saber Jr. Every like big indie name that you can think of. Chris, do you think this is going to happen? I mean, I think the event's going to happen, but do you think they can clear 10,000, potentially 10,000-plus 10, people in an arena?
1: I, I think they can do it, but I think they'll lose money. I don't, I don't think they'll clear 10,000 and make money um, because of the amount of someone like a CM Punk is going to cost, even for a one-night appearance. And I, I believe Jim Cornette has went on record as saying this, too. He doesn't think it gets – Like To me, it doesn't get done without a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk uh, where you're going to have a special match. Uh, I think you might be able to do it if you could convince New Japan to let you have an Okada Mega Match in America in Chicago because I think Chicago fans alone would mark out out for that and plus you would get some international fan base coming. But it's going to take something special. It's going to cost a lot of money to get that. So depending on what these seats are going to cost the 10,000 seat arena, how much it's going to cost for security, how much it's going to cost for ring setup, lighting, um, promoting that out to the internet for people to watch. If it's just a house show, it's going to be really hard to make money on. Um, and when we originally talked about them doing this. What I said they should do is crowdfund it. Because I think if they crowdfunded this in a way where... If you donated a certain amount of money, you got tickets. Even if you didn't show up, you could still sell out a 10,000 Arena without all of those people coming. And some people would pay $50 just to support Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks um, and support what they're trying to do and and kind of just give a fuck you to Dave Meltzer and and other people that said they couldn't do it. But to get everyone to fly to Chicago or get 10,000 people from Chicago to go to this event, that becomes a little harder. Uh, the fact they're doing it in September, it's around hockey season and basketball season as well. So they're going to go against the Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and maybe, I think September is, is also the end of baseball season. And Chicago is a big sports town. Um, I know they're a big wrestling, they always have a big wrestling appearance on WWE, but WWE is WWE. It's a big spectacle. So you're you're asking, you know, kind of a niche thing, Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I do think it does take a big name like a CM Punk or Daniel Bryan to get it done. And I don't necessarily think that you make money on this once you start building the card, unless a lot of people work for way below what they would normally work for. Um, I think you need to get people like Dalton Castle involved. Uh, Jay lethal, uh, Michael Elgin. I think you need to get names that people know. Um, and to me, if you're, if you're trying to lock something down that's non-New Japan, that is it the obvious of CM Punk and uh, Daniel Bryan, you might look to someone like Chris Jericho, who's kind of a free agent, and I think he could be someone that could help them massively. Um, CM Punk alone, I think, can fill up a 10,000-seat arena, just on the fact that he's been gone for so long, and people will want to be there for that. Uh, especially in Chicago, but how much is that going to cost you? So that that's where you have to weigh it. Do Can they do it? Yes. Are they going to make money off of it? Maybe, maybe off the merch, not necessarily yeah. the event itself, but
0: not the um, event, but the merch will be able to help them out in the end. I, I do agree with that concept because like you said, to get some of these names, to get New Japan, to give him some of their guys, to get CM Punk to come back. You know, I think Dan O'Brien would be reasonable if he's not in contract, obviously, with WWE and everything like that. But that's going to cost money. And uh, it's definitely going to be like a one-time thing. So we'll have to see. Next September, we're going to find out. Should be good. Um, I hate to talk about this, but we need to address it. Really unfortunate Uh, turn of events, Paige is scheduled to retire after re-injuring her neck at a house show. Uh, Anyone that wants to get on Sasha Banks about this, let me explain. Uh, Dave Metzler and Paige have gone on the record of saying that, well, he talked obviously to her her people and to other people associated. Uh, There was a spot in a match uh, that they were doing constantly on house shows where Sasha was up on the and I saw the spot. and I mean, it doesn't really even look that devastating. Where she's up on the turnbuckles, and she kicks Paige in the back. And she stung her. It took one time. Uh, I don't know if she, if she had lied to the doctors over at WWE or they overlooked it. But apparently her doctors didn't even clear her to wrestle in the first place. They said that, you know, kind of like an edge thing. Like, at any time, it could take one thing, and it's done. And I feel so bad that someone that was so excited about the Women's Royal Rumble... And a great woman, female wrestler, a great wrestler in general, that's been wrestling since she was 12, um, unfortunately is not going to be able to wrestle anymore. It's um, taken away from her just like that. It's unfortunate. It's not Sasha Banks' fault. You know, it just that's, that's how the beast is with wrestling. Um, sometimes it's not really, you know, even if you've done so many things in your young professional wrestling life, very much like an edge. Um, and you you should have several more years. It just gets taken away from you from just one injury. Um, But it's very unfortunate. Uh, Like I said, she was a badass. She kind of prompted this female revolution uh, from the NXT, you know, and and women coming from there and really stepping it up. And uh, everything that's happened to her recently, she just had one fragile friggin' year between the Internet stuff and all of Alberto, you know, being her ex-husband or ex-fiancé or whatnot and everything that's happened, very unfortunate. I hope Paige just stays around. Um, you know, she's she said that they didn't really go into retirement. And I think that they're going to wait um, maybe until after a rumble. But they just said on uh, Raw that she wasn't going to be able to make it in the Women's Royal Rumble, but she'll be there for her girls. Um, she definitely has some attachment towards those two girls, it seems so, you know, maybe a managerial type of concept, put her on, maybe uh, announcing. Maybe she could be the GM next year, replacing someone. I definitely keep Paige in the picture because if not, I feel like, you know, she could go into depression, which she's definitely admitted to. Um, she's, like I said, she's had a really, really, really tough year this last year. Or she could hurt herself by going on the independent scene, working with companies that will let her work and hurting herself way worse than she already is. So, um, yeah, that's my input. Just a shitty situation. Chris, do you have anything about this?
1: I I think it's very sad, has happened to her. Um, A lot of people have related this to what happened to Edge, which was spinal stenosis. So this would have been an ongoing thing. It's similar to what Sheamus is going going through. Um, At first, they thought it was like a concussion. And now they're saying it's, it's uh, spinal stenosis, which if you remember, I believe Nikki, Nikki Bella went through a surgery for this and tried to make a comeback and was losing
0: feelings in her
1: extremities. And that is a scary thing. Like, think about not being able to feel your arms or, you know, your fingers or just anything like that is scary to even think about, um, especially at, you know, an athletic level like she was at for so long. She probably came back too soon from injury because of everything that happened to her. It's a really, really sad, sad uh, state of affairs. I do feel bad for Paige. I think that there's ways to work her in as a manager uh, or even as a commentator. I think specifically like an NXT commentator would be great and definitely a commentator on some of these female wrestling things they're trying to do. I do not look at her and think that she's the leader of the female wrestling movement in the way it is other people. I think a lot of people look over, uh, her and AJ styles, I think were the first two, but definitely, I mean, the movement starts with, with Charlotte Flair and Sasha and Bailey. And, uh, you know, God, Becky Lynch. Uh, I think that was where it really caught on. I think that she was a part of it. I think her and AJ Lee were a big part of it. Probably like the initiation of like the, the fire below it. Um, but then again, she never had matches. like To me, she never had matches that were on the same level as like Charlotte and Sasha. Um, I don't blame this on Sasha Banks. I think Sasha Banks, for the most part, is a safe wrestler who has done a lot of bad things, uh, or, or does more to her body than she does to other people's bodies, like taking those knee spots where she does the double knees on the outside. Um, trying to go through a table at her size. Like, more more of, more of the time, Sasha scares me more with what she does to herself as opposed to what she does with other wrestlers. So I definitely do not pin this on Sasha. I think it's just an unfortunate accident that happened. Um, and obviously, I don't think Paige was healthy enough to come back in the first place. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean she's done final stenosis in the past, which I'm assuming is what she's had because they're basing it on what happened to Edge which is also what Sheamus is going through, it doesn't take much, like one slight kick to the back um, in the incorrect position can throw everything out of place, and I I do feel really bad for her. I do think that she's a part of the women's revolution. I I think that she's probably gotten more credit for it recently than someone like a Molly Holly or a uh, Nikki James or Trish Stratus or Alita uh, should be credited with, but you know, she was a good female wrestler, very, very young, and it's sad to see her at the edge of retirement at such a young age because she's still very, very young. And I think people forget that about Paige. Um, yep. And it's it's kind of sad. I mean, she's only 25 years old, so to think about her career, like she's the same age Gosh. as my little sister. You know, so it's. I mean, it's a very, very. uh She had she's a very, been wrestling short... now for thirteen years, though.
0: That's ridiculous is that she started so young. And there's going to be a movie crazy. about her family. um, Which is another whole entire concept and another conversation. I just feel bad. You know, she's a badass heel. I think that she was going to have a really great comeback, and she was. I mean, the fact that she was crying from being so excited about finding the announcement about the Women's Royal Rumble when Stephanie just did that, you know, without any of the female competitors knowing about it, it's, ugh, God, just taken away just like that. Um, yeah, and that. I mean,
1: just, she, she was also encouraged to retire doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to. Um, and that's, but that's not a good thing, though, sometimes. I mean, it's not. Her, doctor, all- her
0: doctor, you know what I'm saying, didn't even want her to wrestle. Her personal yeah, doctor,
1: and I'm saying Seamus also probably yeah. should be retiring and hasn't. Um, yeah, it's one. It's one reason yeah. I kind of respect Nikki Bella um, walking away in the way that she did, coming back for those couple of matches and trying to make you know one less impact, and then realizing that she just couldn't do it, and then walking away from it because I think that was very smart of her. Um, because she, yeah. like I said, she had all those neck surgeries too. A neck injury is nothing to mess with. It's the same reason that you don't see Austin wow. coming back for like two matches a year. Um, he had a terrible neck it's injury. It's the reason why, busted. even, even though
0: even though he was one of the most dominant wrestlers of all time of of popularity and everything, Steve Austin was cut short due to spinal and uh, you know, uh, same same type of thing. I don't know if it was spinal stenosis, but it was it was you know that that. Powder driver that screwed up his whole entire vertebrae. And I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for that, he'd probably have another 10
1: years on his career. Don't mess with the yep. back, man. Shit's yeah, awful. Yeah, it's, it's scary. And to me, Paige could walk away and manage someone and be perfectly fine. I think she would really fit well with someone like a Bray Wyatt or an Alistair Black as a manager. Um, not that Bray Wyatt is an alpha but I think that he could utilize her to be evil. Or something cool, or Alistair Black, who kind of needs, in some or, situations, needs a mouthpiece. Um, you're talking
0: about Velveteen Dream needing a uh, a manager. She would be very interesting mixed with him. They're two athletes together.
1: If you go with uh, like a Sherry Macho Man type deal, she would be perfect for that. I think there's a lot less that she can do in the wrestling business. It doesn't involve her taking bumps every night. Um, yep. And. It's... She's weird to talk about because she's been wrestling since she was... Like you said, since she was, like, 12 or 13. That's... Her body is basically a 40-year-old woman. Like, I don't think people think about how much abuse she's taking. And a lot of that was on the indie scene. It's not with, like, top pro wrestlers in WWE that are going to try to take care of you. like. Um, and, and she's also a very small... She's a smaller wrestler. You know? So, it sucks. That uh, that really really sucks. I also heard that Mark Henry has retired officially. Um, no, actually, he he um, I didn't. I completely forgot about it. I'm glad that you brought it up.
0: Mark Henry went on to say that he never said that. That he he has stuff left. I don't know what that entails. Um, I'd love to see him and Braun Strowman tie it up. I mean, I guess any big fucking guy in Braun Strowman would be cool at this point, but. Apparently, Mark Henry came on record and said, I think it was today or yesterday, that he never said that he was retiring. But that was a rumor going around, so I'm glad that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, it, it came out on several websites. I, I assumed it was uh, – that he was like – it came out that he was quietly retiring. Um, but maybe not. If not, I loved Mark Henry, I, I especially his run on SmackDown as the Monster Heel, um, even though they called him the Silverback, which is kind of fucked up. but. He was he was pretty great when Michael Cole were, or not Michael Cole, but uh Fabulous Freebirds, uh Michael Michael Hayes. yeah Michael Hayes was booking him. I thought that he had like a really, really good push as a heel. Um his stuff against Sheamus I thought was pretty great. Mark is someone that yes. like, they, they gets looked over as a good performer, but I think he was a very good performer. Absolutely. Uh, um and it's really it's weird to see strength is these ridiculous. People, it's it's really weird to see a lot of these people winding down. Um and it sucks that Paige is even part of this conversation being so young. I mean it really does. Yeah. And I yeah. It also sucks that it came in a year where so much controversy was around her Burr. in her in her relationship, which has absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. Um so
0: Well let's 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 leave this news stuff on a on a positive end. Hey Chris, what happens when you leave WWE because you can't get the fucking cruiserweight title? Even you have as much charisma as you know as, as Austin Aries has. You get five fucking titles. That's what you get. Pictures with with now uh, Austin Aries at um, Impact, running around with the Impact Global Championship that he won, the Impact Grand Championship that he won, the Defiant Wrestling World Championship, the World Series. Uh, heavyweight champion and the IPW UK World Heavyweight Championship. Yes, he five World Heavyweight Championships, two within Impact uh, that he cleared out within tapings these last couple of weeks. Oh, I sh- probably should just put a spoiler warning. Yeah, Austin Aries about to make his Impact on Impact beat Eli Drake and beat um, I forgot who has the Grand Champion, the uh, Grand Slam or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, and uh, apparently they're retiring that belt uh, because. They finally realized trying to have a UFC-style wrestling thing was kind of cool in concept, but just didn't work out. But, I mean, it's awesome to see a double, you know, out there with all these belts, walk into the ring. They look like they're just, like, about to take him down to the ground, but he's loving it, man, and uh, he's on the indies. Apparently he has a very open contract with Impact, so he's going to be working a lot of different places. I don't know if we'll see him at Ring of Honor or New Japan. The possibly, you know, a lot of the UK places like IPW is taking him in. But uh, Austin Aries is making a name for himself, which is great, man. The guy's talented as shit. Um, very much, and, I mean, you'll probably hear when we go through the list uh, his name in certain places, but very much reminds me of, like, a Chris Jericho in certain ways. Credible wrestler, great heel aspects, uh, still cool enough to be babyface, and, and just a badass, man. I mean, I, I, I love this. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Impact. I try to be, and then it just kept on changing, and, and people kept on leaving. But the things that Don Callis and and, and the creator was doing, they seem like they're trying to trying to, to change some things. And pushing Austin Aries right to the top right away, I think, was a good idea. Very happy for him. Um, and I would love to see, well, I mean, it would involve Neville over at Impact, but if this whole thing If they're really making Neville sit on his contract, which is such a fucked-up concept, I would love to see him and Austin Aries tear things up again in some type of format for title somewhere. Maybe IPW. Um, But how do you feel, Chris, about Austin Aries having five World Heavyweight Championship belts?
1: They did it too early. On impact, they did it too early. I think it makes Eli Drake look bad. I think it makes Eli Drake look like kind of... I think it makes Eli Drake look bad in the sense that Eli Drake is the one guy that they had at the top of that list when you talk about EC3 and you know James Storm and all the people that have recently left from them. I think it makes Eli Drake look bad, and I think they did it too soon. I think they, were, they could have built that into a way bigger thing than they did. And they were like, here's a WWE guy. Let's give him the title. So from a booking standpoint, I hate it. For Austin Aries... I'm completely fine with it. I think it's good on him. I think it's cool that he's going out there and getting those titles. But it is off the WWE rub. And the one thing I will say is a lot of people have been out there being like, look what you're missing out on, WWE. But at the same time, creative didn't have anything for Austin Aries to do because they didn't want to take take the title off Neville because Neville was going to leave, which he did leave when they took the title off. Apparently, he was very open about that. He did not want to drop that title without being moved up to the heavyweight division, which is why you got that weird situation with Austin Aries, and he wasn't able to drop the title. They didn't have anything for him to do, which is Austin Aries didn't just leave as a dick. Like, he left because there was nothing for him to do. His contract was up, and he just left. There's open interviews with him talking about that. So first and foremost, squash the fact that like WWE shit on Austin Aries because that's not what happened. If anything, Neville probably cock-blocked Austin Aries uh, because they saw Neville as a slightly bigger star than Austin Aries. Austin Aries, obviously, his career is going to be widened down. He's older.
0: Um, he's had a lot of
1: injuries. I think it's great he's able to go into Impact or Global Force and do what he was able to do, but I think it makes people like Eli Drake, who's been there in the trenches for you, look a little weak. Uh, same thing with Johnny Impact, who's there. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I get what they're going for. I think it was like a cheap pop for their company, but I felt like it was also bad booking. Now, the fact that he's went to these other places, won these championships, not as big of a deal because they're not really televised in the same sense as Impact. Uh, but, like, where do you go with Eli Drake from here? Or Johnny Impact? Are they, are they just going to go against Austin Aries and lose to him week after week? Or... They didn't come into this with any kind of storyline is the problem I have with it. I love Austin Aries as a performer. I've liked him since Ring of Honor. I liked his original run in TNA. I like his moveset. I like a lot of the things that he was able to accomplish in WWE and in NXT and specifically his feud with Neville I thought was very good. That WrestleMania match was very good considering that neither of them could see each other because of the way the sun was positioned while they were wrestling, force goes, or impact, or whatever they're calling themselves. What does this really do for them? And where does it put the other people that are at the top of the card for them, considering they've lost like Loki and E C three and Bobby Lashley and James Storm? Yes, it gives them a big name, but for how long with an open contract, um what's gonna stop him from not coming? Um not that, you know, he would do that, but Austin Aries has been known to be kind of a hothead even back in his ring of honor days. Uh, it's a weird situation they put themselves in. Good for Austin Aries. Not trying to be negative, but I, I think they kind of fucked Eli Drake in a way that they should have, considering that he, to me, he's probably bigger for the people that watch Impact on a, a week-to-week basis than Austin Aries is um, at this point, considering Austin left for greener pastures in the WWE but I could be wrong, maybe I'm completely wrong and people are super stoked on it. I think right now people are stoked on it because they feel like it's a fuck you to WWE when really it's not and he's been open about it, not him not leaving in a bitchy way, basically.
0: I mean that's very true. I, I definitely agree with you on a lot of that. Um I would say that I mean you gotta look at it if if they would have given it to Johnny though. I mean, he already has three AAA titles and the Lucha Underground, so it was kind of be like a similar concept. But I do agree that Eli Drake, it hurts him the most uh, because they were building him, and he's the only one who's been sticking around, it seems. And, uh, you know, someone comes, like you said, even though he had a very, very huge role with TNA back in the day, you know, it's like he comes back, he's like, nope, been here first, and kicks him off the mountain. Um, but who knows? We got the, we don't even, I don't even know what the storyline is because I watched the last episode and Austin Ares hasn't even been introduced, uh, you know, within the whole entire thing. So maybe something will build up to this. Maybe he'll be able to pull something off. Ah, I don't know about that impact, but we got three things I want to go over Chris for on Smackdown. Um, before we move on to the list, uh, three concepts that kind of stand out the most to me. First thing, Braun Strowman's rampage. God, hour long Braun Strowman rampage. Beginning top of the hour, he came out talking about how he injured Brock Lesnar and Kane by because for some fucking reason they put grappling hooks into random places. Anyone that's really bitching about stuff like this, just have fun with it. Yeah, there's no fucking way you could knock over an ambulance or any of that type of stuff or or survive a, a trash compactor. This is very attitude Era level shit that you just gotta like say hey, guys, it's a TV show. Just go with it. But either way, Braun came out. Kurt Angle said that he was firing him, that he was not going to be in the championship match. So Braun's getting escorted and just destroys security guards, throws him, like, lawn darts and things. My God, the man's placement. Like, he had a spot where he took a security guard and in a flinging motion, perfectly executed, throwing him over a barrier onto a table, perfectly centered. I mean... He is undoubtedly the most safest big man, you know, when you're comparing him to, like, Bad Luck Folly and stuff like that, where, you know, he seems like, really have the best intention for, for the the people that he's, you know, throwing around, including Kurt Hawkins. great scene where he comes running, you know, this guy comes and he's like, Brock Strowman's coming, and everyone in, like, the cafeteria and catering are, like, worried, and he comes in, destroys everyone, Puts Kurt talking through a table, comes up to a cook who has a giant thing of chocolate cake. The guy's like shaking in his boots, looks nerdy as hell, he just takes a piece of cake, runs off, and then all of a sudden Kurt Angle finds out after he destroys his office that he's going towards the television trucks. And they're they're twelve million dollar, however much she said. He knocks he takes a I don't know, twenty ton trailer, knocks it on its ass. I mean, it's all ridiculous stuff. Finally Kurt Angle says you know, no, no, that's right. Braun comes out again. You have a part where Booker T basically jukes Michael Cole. If you watch in slow motion, he literally trips him. Michael Cole's just sitting there. Braun grabs him. He's about to, like, you know, this guy can knock over a trailer easy, but you can't pick up Michael Cole without, like, almost dropping him. But that's, like I said, whatever. Um, Kurt says, hey, we're giving you your job back. You're going to have the championship match. And he flings Michael Cole into all the security guards. And that's it. It's like, like I said, it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin grabbed a Budweiser and somehow had the gamma radiation fucking formula in it, drank it, turned into the Hulk, and just destroyed everything in the back. Instead of a beer truck, though, it was him knocking over a fucking... It's it's fun, ridiculous. Is it too ridiculous for you, Chris, or are you having fun with this? Because I feel like people complain... And God, they
1: would never be able to go to like something like a PWG fucking event at all. The same people that complain about this are the same people that jerk off on the fucking Undertaker and what a great legacy he has and forget the fact that he was shooting lightning bolts at Kane and shit. Like, it's wrestling. It's fucking ridiculous. Stone Cold could drive anything. Did, did people forget about the fact that Stone Cold literally drove, like, every vehicle ever? Like... It's supposed to be a bit ridiculous. Supposed to get out of this is that Braun Strowman was fired unjustly. And he's taking down the man by demolishing the company. Um, he lifted an ambulance. He's going to be able to lift a semi. Like A semi with no trailer is not that much heavier than an ambulance. Um, it's not that far-fetched. Like, he's throwing over Titantron. You're, they're trying to make him a legitimate threat because they've had to build Braun Strowman as such a badass for, or not Braun Strowman, Barack Lesnar is such a badass for so long. So who is going to beat you know, Brock Lesnar? It's like when you look at Goku and you're like, Goku has overcame every challenge. Well, you have to have Frieza say, this isn't even my final form or it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a little bit of each. Uh, you could even so are go you Krillin. saying
0: Braun Strowman could beat
1: Goku? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Braun Strowman couldn't even beat Krillin. Let's get realistic. <laughs> Whoa. <Did he> yamcha, <laughs> but Yamcha's a bitch. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, Yamcha's too busy trying to get ladies. That, that's why. That's how. That's how he'd win. Um. But, I mean, like, I have no problem with it. He already flipped the ambulance. I accepted that in my heart and soul. Like, it's a semi-track. It's not that big of a deal. Like, everything else about it was just him just demolishing people. It's just in your heart and (laughs) soul. Yeah. Like, Braun is fun. Just accept the fun. Like, why does no one want to have fun ever? Like, if you want to take wrestling that serious, instead of just critiquing WWE, like, watch UK wrestling and watch New Japan wrestling. Yeah, and Just don't exactly. watch Monday Night Raw. Just don't watch it. You don't have to. There's plenty of other legitimate wrestling out there for you to watch. Definitely like go, you don't can go to a easily, show. Yeah, like, well, that's what I'm saying is what, just watch New Japan. Just don't watch WWE if you hate it. If you Unless hate you're it on so much. If you hate it so much that you have to spit venom every time you watch it, just don't watch it. That's like if I go to a – like, I don't like a lot of the – you know, there's certain things about the Marvel movies I don't watch, but I don't – like or don't like, but I don't necessarily watch them and just immediately go spit venom. Like, I try to take fun aspects out of each one of them, you know, and, and have a good time with it. You don't have to be so negative all it um, yep And it's just crazy to me that people are like – you're going to take all of that out of everything they've done with Braun Strowman thus far. <laughs>
0: Not real. Included... Are
1: you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it's wrestling. We already know it's not real. It's out there. Like it's been not real since uh 60 Minutes did that episode where uh you know was <laughs> the guy's name Dr. Dr uh Dr Death like slapped the shit out of uh, God. a doctor. Yeah, I mean, it's been he fucking not real
0: busted his eardrum.
1: Yeah, like he slapped the dude dude's so already busted his eardrum. Everyone knows that wrestling is in quotes fixed or not real. Oh, what? No one had a problem with no one had a problem with it when it was Kane. No one had a problem with it, when it was the Undertaker. It's just a bunch Mark of people Henry. or or Mark Henry or anything mystical like okay, if you want to be upset about something, be upset about the fact that Randy Orton, a 13-time champion, was scared of digital cockroaches. Like that's something to get upset <laughs> about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like oh Braun, my
1: God.: when you look at Braun Strowman, he looks like a guy that could lift a semi. Like it's kind of believable. <laughs> well, he was a strong. <laughs> I don't man. know. I mean, I don't know if you've ever go to a wrestling event and see Braun Strowman in person. He is a fucking sight to behold. The dude is massive. He's like six. Like, he's like actually five a really, really three seventy five. Nice he's massive. Like he's a massive dude. And like uh, Strawman doesn't have tilted trucks. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, just calm down. Who gets? it? I agree. I agree with you. It's a I, setup I think it's so that people think that he could beat Brock Lesnar. That's all it is. That's what you need to get out of it. Is that Brock Lesnar is unbeatable. But Braun Strowman gives zero fucks. That's what you're supposed to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's all they're going for. It's like, yeah, but you know, Brock may be the better wrestler, but Braun Strowman's crazy. That's that's all they want you. Yeah, to get think about think, think about the concept, Chris, and the fact that
0: Roman Reigns is supposed to be the person to beat Brock Lesnar. that in building the F five as unstoppable, even beating Braun. Uh, Roman Reigns also same thing with his spear. Everyone all, always loses a, like a spear, except for some big guys takes two of them. So Roman beats Brock. Well, it's kind of like. Braun already fucking destroyed Roman, so that title should be his real fucking quickly. I mean or if it's it's somehow we do get Brock versus Braun, which I think is what we should really get for the title, I mean he should be able to beat him. I mean he took Brock Lesnar and put him through two announce tables back to back and sent him the fuck out of the damn arena for most of the match. I mean, that's Braun Strowman. That's that's his concept, that's his credibility. So people to be like that, just 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 fucking just Take a nap and eat a blanket. I don't even know what the hell. All right, we got two mean, more news items before we go over the list. We should probably well, just I'll finish just, this with the...
1: – Real quickly, I just want to say everyone really liked when he flipped the ambulance. So for WWE to go back to the well one more time with him flipping a semi-truck, I would say probably 80% of the people still liked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because liked it was
1: all over the internet. I liked it, well, and I love wrestling. That's a good
0: transition. You know what else I liked, Chris, is the fact that what? after probably the best thing about Rob besides Braun Strowman destroying everything, we had an awesome match with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, and we finally saw the return of the curb stomp, which is a great finishing maneuver. I thought even though Finn didn't really sell it that well at the Mixed Max Challenge, I thought he sold the whole entire thing uh, really well, and I thought it, w- it was good to see the move back because I just don't think – the rotating uh, V trigger, whatever you want to call it, knee is really working for him. Um, if anything, he can do that now and actually has a signature to set up this finisher again. Uh, how did you feel about seeing the curb stomp, and do you think that maybe we'll get the punt from Randy Orton? Uh, is, are we realizing that these moves are not real and that no one should do any of them? No one should fucking powerbomb anyone on concrete and maybe, like, take a step back a little bit, Vince?
1: Okay, so the whole thing about the curb stomp is they just didn't want it to be called the curb stomp. So now they call it the blackout, which I'm completely fine with. If they should fine. have told, yeah. they should have fucking told him this like four years ago. <laughs> or like whenever he stopped doing the curb stomp, they should have just told him, if you call it something else, we don't care. It's one of How the safest things How frustrated do you think
0: Seth Rollins is about his finisher being chosen
1: for the fucking WWF officials? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, they call it, it's called the blackout now. That's all they did to it. I'm sure if they would have told him like, hey, we just want to rename it from curb stomp. So people don't look up curb stomp and see that, <laughs> that one scene from American history X. Ugh. Ugh. That'd be awesome. Smiley face. So it, it's, it's good that they just stop calling it curb stomp. It's a great move. It looks good. It looks way better than the shitty knee. He does. It doesn't look as good as the V trigger. I mean, Seth Rollins is a great wrestler. That shit does not look as good as the B trigger, and it never will, because he's not going to land his shit in, as hard as the WWE as Kenny does in, in in New Japan. Like, it's just not going to happen. They're not that stiff in WWE. Um, so, I guess. I think it's great. I thought it was fucking awesome. I enjoyed the shit of it, and when he did it, it was such a surprise. It made me so happy. I was like, now, if he wants to do the, the spin knee into the curb stomp or something, cool. Down with it. Or, or into the blackout, whatever he's going to call it. I don't, I don't care what he calls it. Um, but I think it's great that he brought it back because it's not a hard move to take, honestly. Uh, I think Finn Balor did an excellent job. I thought it was a great match. That's, that's all I'm going to say about it. I thought, I thought it was fucking awesome. And, and to give him that finisher back gives him a big spark, a big spark. I think it's going to get a lot of his old fans back on his side.
0: Me too. All right, last thing I want to talk about real quick, SmackDown. The only thing I, th- I find relevant with this whole entire episode uh, is the fact that Bobby Roode is now the U.S. champion. I'm very happy for him. Um, but, man, that what a boring fucking night. I feel so bad for Xavier Woods. He could not get a good match out of Jinder Mahal. I'm sick of Jinder. Uh, I, I find him intriguing as a heel, but his in-ring performance, to me, just, it lacks. It's boring as hell. And, uh, honestly, I thought that the two hours of SmackDown were more boring than the three hours of fucking Raw. So maybe that's just me being a little bit, um, I don't know, rude, I guess, on the subject. Get it? But, uh, but I mean, the whole entire SmackDown, we didn't, we, we didn't even address Dan O'Brien and fucking Shane McMahon. None of that ever happened. Uh, it's like they glossed over it. I guess we're going to get some type of interaction with that next week with the whole Kevin Owens-Sammy situation, but it was mainly the U.S. championship thing, and we had Bobby Roode, of course, who uh, I think most of us thought was going to win, inevitably beat Jinder Mahal for the U.S. champion, and if they would have made Jinder the fucking champion, I probably would have punched a baby in the face. Chris, how did you like
1: Bobby winning, and how did you like SmackDown overall? I liked Bobby winning. I have no problem with that at all. I really fucking hate that Xavier Woods lost. I I thought this was a chance for them to launch him to where he actually deserves to be, being the fact that he has carried the New Day. I wouldn't say carries, but he is a big part of the New Day. He has carried that gimmick. He's a good in-ring performer. He's a good social media presence. He's way more important to your company than Jinder Mahal will ever be, and to give him that win and give him a really good match against Bobby Roode, even if he ends up losing still have the same result. You'd still have Bobby Roode win. I think is completely f- beyond stupid. I think it's really fucking stupid. But other than that, like, you know, Bobby Roode winning I think is a good idea. But it just leads to a rematch between Jenner Mahal and everyone is tired of seeing this fuck. Everyone is tired of it. Like the surprise were off and no one cares now. Like people were defending it because it was a surprise You know, when he won the title, that was a surprise. When he got the number one contendership, that was a surprise. Now it's not a surprise and no one cares, which is exactly what I said would happen because he sucks in the ring. He's not really great on the mic. And he wins every match by somehow the Bollywood boys or the Singh brothers being involved. So now no one cares. It would have been a way bigger moment for Xavier Woods to get that singles victory. It would have been another surprise that they weren't expected and have him face Bobby Roode. Even if Bobby Roode won, it would have been way more important for Xavier Woods' career. So I downed both the shit out of this. I hated every second of it with Jinder Mahal beating Xavier Woods. But I'm glad that they at least put the title on Bobby.
0: And I think Bobby will be a prestigious champion. I do agree with you that Xavier, you know, he definitely should get a push. I think one of those guys – well, I mean, Kofi's had a great career. But between Big E and, and Xavier, one of them should get a title um outside the tag team titles. Uh, you know, even I've I've heard the concept of like them sharing a title, which is kinda of crazy, but shit, they're fucking promoting that for the world heavyweight title against AJ in his handicap match, so anything's possible. But uh let's get through this. let's let's go through the list. You ready to get to the list, Chris? We got ten people yes, to go through. If we can't get through all of them, we'll save the other ones for next week. It's not really that big of a deal, but uh, we got 15 minutes. So I think that we have plenty of time. But um, so our first entry tonight: the Texas Tornado. Tornado. That's not a word. The Texas Tornado. Kerry Von Erich. Guys, if you don't know much about the Von Erichs, uh, incredible wrestling family from Texas. They owned WCCW. Fritz Von Erich was their father. Um, and unfortunately, out of like I think five boys, Kevin Von Erich, which is the oldest brother, who's not on this list. He probably should be because Kevin's a badass. Um, Kevin was the only one that's still alive. It's a really tragic story. They have a mini, um, they have a mini uh, ESPN Thirty for Thirty that you can watch online. Um, but Kerry was the big namesake. Uh, Kerry was huge uh, for for fans of WWF. Uh, you'll know him as Texas Tornado. Incredible wrestler, incredible body, incredible athlete. For his size, he's kind of like a sting in the sense that for a big dude, he was doing running crossbodies, over-the-rope crossbodies, stuff that guys that size weren't doing. That was like mostly like, you know, the couple luchadors that were around back then that would do the type of stuff. So, I mean, he was an innovator. Um, I have for him Matt Riddle. Uh, Matt Riddle's actually from Texas, same exact spot. Family was huge fans of the Von Erics. He's actually been asked many times if he is related to the Von Erics. Yeah, Kevin's a huge fan of his. Um, and I also thought that, in retrospect, if you had Tornado versus the Hurricane, that would be a fun match between Kerry Von Erich versus Shane Helms, uh, both being incredible wrestlers out of their time period, who could have been top guys and did really well for themselves, just never made it to that level. Kerry actually went against Rick Flair for the NWA title, um, and I believe he yeah, he lost it, but he was, I think, the only one out of his family to go for that title. Um, and definitely check out the, the Von Eric's versus the Freebirds. Uh, great stuff you can find on the network. Uh, who do you got for Kerry Von Erich? Chris?
1: I actually have uh, EC3 and Chris Masters. Um, EC3 because I think that he has the physique, the in-ring ability, but I don't know that he'll ever make it to what I would consider the top. And Kerry Von Erich was pushed by his family quite a bit. Uh, specifically in Texas. So he gets a lot of nori- notoriety, specifically for feuding with the Fabulous Freebirds. Um, and granted, he did have a motorcycle accident and lost his leg, unfortunately, and that led to his depression. It's a very sad that thing. But physique-wise and some of the same moves that they do in the ring, I had Chris Masters in EC3. And I think at the end of the day, they're probably going to end on the same level like, as notoriety in the ring as uh, Carrie Von Eric, as far as work goes, as far as what they're able to do in the ring. Um, maybe EC3 will surpass that, it is yet to be seen, but I think they're similar in a lot of ways. So I, I went with EC3 probably overall.
0: I like that. Um, actually, EC3, he's probably going to come up a lot. He's got a lot of personality to him. And coincidentally, our next entry, uh, Rick Rude, uh, That's my number one person for Rick Rude, uh, EC3. Rick Rude, for the same type of reasons that you're talking about. Um, I don't know if EC3 ever got the uh, TNA belt. I know I'm pretty sure Rick Rude did get the WCW World Heavyweight title. Uh, But Rick Rude, he wasn't pushed. He should have been pushed more. Unfortunately, he had an injury that happened. Took him out. But I I feel, just like you're saying, that Ethan Carter III ceiling – I don't know how high it's going to be within WWE. I feel like a lot of people are going to go straight to Bobby Roode for this. But I really, besides the last name, I don't think Bobby and, and, and Rick really have too much in common. I feel like Bobby is kind of a hybrid of Arn Anderson and Rick Flair. Um, he's got qualities of both guys kind of mesh into one guy, and those are his two favorite wrestlers. So it makes a lot of sense. I think Tony Neese is a good guy that you could bring up uh, from the Cruiserweight division. Mr. Counting is abs, very similar to Rick Roode, but... Who do you have for Rick Rude?
1: I actually do have Bobby uh, Bobby Rude, but the reason I have now Bobby is not over. for what <laughs> the reason I have Bobby Rude is not for what he accomplished in, in NXT and what he's doing in WWE. It's for what he was able to accomplish in TNA as being the rich Canadian um, that all the women want to look at, the pretty boy, the opposite of James Storm when he split from Beer Money. Uh, to become kind of this heel against James Storm. There was a lot of, just a lot of Rick Rude influence there. Uh, another one that I thought of that's going to come up consistently, w- which we've talked about previously, was Chris Jericho in 2008, uh, 2007, 2008. He channeled a lot of that Rick Roode-esque. Obviously, they kind of fall within the same realm just because I think Jericho's just so transitional. Um, but I also had Dalton Castle, and I have Dalton Castle in the sense as if Rick Rude would have ever became a face. I think that he could have been an over-the-top sex symbol star kind of going for what Dalton Castle does in Ring of Honor in a weird way. and uh, Kind of
0: like, kinda like uh, Velveteen Dream almost, too.
1: Yeah, as yeah. Yeah, I mean, without the without the promo skills, that's – I mean, that's the, the one thing that sets Rick Rude apart from anyone we've named is how good Rick Rude was on the mic of immediately turning a crowd against him by calling them all fat, greasy, sweat hogs and shit. Like, you can't really get away with what he was able to do back then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Dolby yeah, has couldn't. to he gets, the, he gets the face reaction that Rick Rude gets the heel reaction out of by being so weird and kind of out there with the, with the dancing and the way he comes to the ring. And then Bobby Rude is more of like, rich Canadian, look at my body. He's always been chiseled as fuck. Um, great worker. The way he does the neckbreaker is, uh, it's the same as Rick's finisher. I mean, it's basically a tribute to Rick Rude. Uh, in the name, Bobby Rude, obviously a big tribute to Rick Rude. Um, in a different sense. He's obviously spelled it differently. Uh, But to me, those were my two that I could come up with right off the bat.
0: Well, I apologize for shitting on one of yours, but now that you've said that, I mean, it does make a lot of sense. Um, All right, so our next guy, Bam Bam Bigelow. All right, now I'm going to say Bad Luck Fale and uh, two guys tattooed. The reason why is because J.R. and Don Callis both made this comparison at different times on commentary. The only thing I, I can't say that I've seen Bad Luck Folly do is is some of the agile shit that Bam Bam Bigelow did. Uh, so that's why Kevin Owens is going to be my number two uh, to compare to him. Uh, right behind, because I think for Kevin Owens' size, yeah, Bam Bam doesn't do stuff that like Kevin Owens does. But for his time, same type of concept. Bam Bam was really quick. Uh could do moonsaults. He he did a fucking cartwheel for no damn reason. Um but bad luck definitely like size wise, look wise, except for he's Samoan, you know, has like similarities. Who do you have for Bam Bam?
1: I have uh, Umaga and I also okay. have I have I also had Kevin Owens notched in there, even though I think he compares to smaller wrestlers more than he does Bam Bam being a guy of his size that's able to move around the ring the way Kevin Owens does. If you've seen him do uh, the second rope spin moonsault he does and some of the shit that he did against John Cena, as athletic as he is, um, they're very comparable. Uh, The one thing I would say is when I think about Bam Bam Bigelow, I don't think about promos and Kevin Owens can cut a hell of a promo and uh, can work the mic and can be a heel or a face, and Bam Bam, to me, was always just a straight monster. That's why I kind of compare him. Or letting like Luna Vashon, unfortunately, talk for him. Ugh. Yeah. So my comparison's more with, like, Umaga, who was more of just a straight monster, but very athletic in the ring and able to do a lot. And he could do a lot more than they actually let him do. Um, but that those are my comparisons.
0: All right, let's go to the next one. Tito Santana, huge in the late 80s. Never only one that
1: really did
0: anything for me. Uh, strike Force was before me, uh, but a very, very big name uh, in the late 80s, uh, especially in the WWE. I have Alberto Del Patron or Del Rio. Uh, I think they have that same type of, like, you know, uh, Mexican, uh, Mexican-American uh, Hulk Hogan type of concept going for him. They are the super baby face that's a badass that has to finish things. Who do you got for Tito?
1: Give me just a second, and I got you. But, man, Tito Santana, this one's really, really hard. And it took me a while to think of, because I wasn't a huge Tito Santana fan either. Um, Just never really dug him that much. But um, I do have him written down on my list. And for Tito, I had Carlito uh, Cologne. Uh, I think they're kind of similar with their character specifically, not necessarily the the way they work in the room. Uh, ring, but that's who I had was Carlito, which I think I named before, but Carlito kind of took a lot of different aspects from different wrestlers to come up with his character. Um, and Tito's like heel run is specifically what reminded me of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick's the model Martel. We're going to try to go a little bit faster. Um, I have Fandango and uh, I think that's a good comparison, especially when it comes to the model concept. Uh, if you want to go for a Canadian wrestler, that's, well, a lot of fans are, are into Ty Dillinger, but, you know, you could you could, you could do that parallel of like guy that's like not as big as he should be, I guess, in some people's eyes. But I think Fandango is a good concept. Same, similar gimmicks, both incredible wrestlers. Um, who do you have for Rick the Model Martel?
1: I have Colt Cabana for Rick the Model Martel. I think he modeled a lot of his works. Uh, a lot of his in work off Rick the Model, and I think that some of his personality is similar, especially when you hear them talk outside of wrestling. Uh, so that's... I went with uh, Colt Cabana, and I thought Colt should make this list because I think he's a very good wrestler that gets overlooked a lot of times. I think what holds Colt Cabana back
0: is, is silly stuff, but I completely agree. I, think, I, I like that a lot. Um, I think that's a good comparison. All right, so we got... Um, a big favorite, Jimmy Snuka. Um, I'd love to see him in the ring with Neville, but I don't think Neville's necessarily like him. I think Tonga, actually ferocity, the the zaniness. You know, I think that Tom is a little bit more aggressive, especially when he's talking shit. But either one of those guys, I'd love to see there with Jimmy. I think Jimmy's kind of special though. There's not a lot of people that you can compare with him. What do you got, Chris? I
1: have Jimmy and Jay Uso. I think that that makes sense theory- kind of peas in a pod in a lot of sense in the way they work lots of kicks lots of uh just fist the face and then the high flying frog splash which is i mean or splash in general just reminds me a lot of uh, jimmy Snuka, and then also his daughter tamina works very similar to how jimmy worked which makes sense because he would have had hands in her training
0: yep all right well we're going to probably get one more done yeah, maybe we can get another one. Don the Rock Morocco, huge and famous for his feud, actually with Jimmy Snuka. Um, arrogant, cocky, huge, muscular dude. I have Dave Batista. Who do you have for Don Morocco?
1: I also have Dave Batista because I think they both have no personality, but they had the build and they were both good in the ring. Um, and they're both Bautista, arrogant, obviously. Yeah. yeah, and 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 obviously Dave Batista grew a little bit. Uh, as far as, like, what he's able to do on the mic. But originally, Don Morocco and Batista is a really good comparison.
0: I agree. And if you do the Don Maroc, if you do Jimmy Snook Don Morocco feud, it's kind of like Batista with Ray a little bit. Different concept, obviously. But our last one tonight, and we'll save the la- the next two for the next time with the next ten, Haku. Uh, Haku, I mean, besides being the father for Tomatonga, Tonga, Tonga Ro, I have Samoa Joe, just because both those guys scare the shit out of me and are known in the wrestling uh, community as being legitimate badasses. Um, who do you have?
1: I put Haku beats the shit out of everyone. Dot 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 dot. I don't know Samoa Joe,
0: so that's why it was
1: on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I
0: mean, I guess that works. <laughs> yeah. We definitely we, – we got Ted DiBiase and Kurt Henning. We'll, we'll leave those because I'd like to talk a little more about them. But, hey, guys, it's been a great show. Definitely enjoyed uh, talking some wrestling. Definitely let us know up on the Facebook page, Geek Vibes Nation, how you guys like the episode. Uh, Chris, say your goodbyes to the wonderful audience tonight.
1: Good night, everyone. Y'all have a great rest of the week. Try to uh, not stay frosty because it's chilly as fuck outside. Uh, go New Jersey Devils. Washington right now. And also, if you're in the Duluth area, come check out Casket Creatures tomorrow at Sweetwater Live. Playing at 1030. Peace out. Five bucks. See you. Come and do it. You guys have a good one.